You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. My guest today is Kirsten Carey. Kirsten is a guitarist and a composer who I met through the Facebook collective Art Girl Army. She has put together a mixtape called Persist, a woman's mixtape for Planned Parenthood. All the proceeds go to Planned Parenthood. You can buy the album on Bandcamp, so please go check it out. It really has a wonderful... Um, a wonderful collection of songs by female musicians and female-fronted bands. Also, I'm going to be putting out a separate little mini-episode with this today featuring two songs by Kirsten and her punk duo, Throwaway. So be sure to check that out as well after you listen to the interview. She is currently based in Detroit, so we recorded this over Skype. I hope you enjoy the 106th episode... I was listening. I was listening to the last episode that you uh, had put out. What What was her name? R- Rivka Rivera. Rivka Rivera. And uh, mm-hmm. I, it was funny because like she also gave this sort of like, oh, I knew you were gonna ask this, and then gave this like beautiful answer. <laughs> I was like, oh god, that's gonna be hard to top. There's no pressure. <laughs> um. I mean, you know, I, I. The dark side is something, I mean, I really struggle with. I'm someone who's dealt with anxiety and depression now for, you know, 15 years. Um, And music itself was like a huge way for me to cope with that. But then kind of around when I started college and pursuing it professionally, you know, it became a source of it. Right. And a release still. Um, but you know, those, those moments that it's a release, I, I like realize that I'm like, I like notice it's a release and then I put pressure on it and like, you know, trying to be like, I'm working so hard to try to be mindful of like breaking that chain of like, well, why aren't I enjoying this as much? Like what's wrong with me? Like, oh my God, are people enjoying the show? Does everyone hate me? Like, oh. Right. There's that self-consciousness. Yeah. And, you know, it's a vicious cycle. But, you know, like, being, I think that being honest with yourself that that's happening is the first step. Um, And then trying to remove the judgment of yourself for feeling those things, which is easier said than done. So, you know... Like, I've been trying, trying my best to just, like, not think about it (laughs) and, like, not, like, force myself to go to my instrument or to write if I don't want to, you know? But then that quickly, especially my time in L.A., that turned into, like, weeks (laughs) on weeks of not going to my instrument. So... I'm, I'm presently trying to find that, like, bounce of, well, obviously I need a little self-discipline, right. you know. But also um, not forcing it. Right. I think also just, like, in my time in L.A., I was, like, in a huge rut of depression. And I very recently moved out um, 
and I'm here in Detroit, um, near where I did my undergrad and uh, where a lot of my friends I was playing music with in my undergrad just bopped over here. I mm-hmm. went to um, University of Michigan. So how long? Yeah. Were, how long were you in LA before you came? Back? I was in LA for two years. Okay. Um. So, it was interesting, but I think. At the end of the day, I just kind of had to reconcile that it wasn't for me. Um, and it was very, you know, it was very expensive. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, I mean, to get back to the original question, um, to keep from going to the dark side, um, I was fortunate enough in my undergrad, my undergraduate degree actually had a component that centered around taking courses in meditation. Really? Yeah, it was a jazz degree with a meditation component. That's interesting. Um, it was amazing. <laughs> and uh, I took all these classes with this really incredible woman named Martha Travers, you know, sitting in this, like, big carpeted room at night with, like, a candle and some Palo Santo burning and, you know, like, doing different kind of, like, journaling and guided walks and sometimes there'd be chanting or just sitting and like I feel like that was such an invaluable tool um and something I let go of for a little bit just because of bad habits but I'm again coming back to um and then on like a lighter side like honestly as like if I'm getting so pent up that I'm just like I need to like escape for a bit I need to do something like I've I've discovered video games this year. <laughs> I've become a big practitioner of the Legend of Zelda series. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> and, like, I think, you know, stuff like that, I mean, like, video games. I'm also, like, really, really into animation and cartoons and anime, which is part of what brought me to L.A. And things like that, you know, are, they're good escapes and they're good, good ways of, like, blowing off a little stress but they're things that can be just so easily abused (laughs) yeah you know too much um too much is not always the most productive thing so but it's like fine you know I'm presently trying to find the balance between all those things to like keep me sane um (laughs) so I, I guess that's sort of like kind of all those components yeah together that's incredible that your undergrad gave you that meditation experience. I, yeah. I wish I had been introduced to that at that age. It was, it was life-changing. Like I, and I really can't emphasize that enough. Like It was a life-changing experience for me because did, I like... Oh, sorry. Continue. <laughs> I was like ready to ask another question because my oh, no, mind is buzzing. Like what, what, how did they describe it or explain it to you, like the connection between why they wanted you to study meditation along with jazz. Well, so like the specific jazz, the name of the degree was Jazz and Contemplative Studies. And a lot of the people that take that specific degree, I think U of M, University of Michigan, Uh uh, is very particular in that way. I think, I don't know where the program is now because it obviously depends so much on the current, the entrance interests of the current crop of students there. Um, but when I was there, there's, um, a lot of people are really into improvisation and, uh, free jazz 
And there's a lot of professors on the faculty who are like really facilitating and guiding students in that route. And U of M had like one of the first, to my knowledge, one of the first like large improvising course groups. Like it was, it's called the Creative Arts Orchestra. Hmm. And like literally just like once a week for rehearsal, you just go and everyone sits in a circle and we do a couple, you know, maybe a couple exercises and just improvise. Um, Maybe some graphic scores. But like the meditation courses, like the way that they tell you, not tell you, but it's like sort of meant to playing freely and improvising is so like to do it well it's almost I think less about what you play and more about how you're listening to others and how you're complimenting what other people are doing yeah or you know if you are starting a piece being able to do that with like confidence and like this is my idea Mm -hmm. and like when you come in like this is my idea. I am not like kind of like, you know, squirming in with kind of like a node and just shaping it. It's very much to do it well. I mean, and you know, to do any music well and then be able to enjoy playing it. It's, you know, all about being in the moment, being there to listen and like understand what's going on and be present and, that's sort of where it was sort of seen that like me- the meditation courses and meditating and like focusing this like centered place in yourself while obviously being help in your personal life like it can if you can create that kind of silent space and that sort of focused energy you can transfer it over to when you're playing and have that same sort of attentive space that's um, awesome which makes for a more just satisfying overall experience and cohesive group for the listener <laughs> well can we talk I want to hear about like all the stuff you've been working on and just how your life is going right now but can we talk a little bit first about persist or the, yes or is the, the official title is the persist mixtape right yeah Persist, a mixtape for Planned Parenthood. Yeah. Um, when did you get that idea, and how did you pull it off? It seems like a big undertaking to get all those people organized. Yeah. Well, I mean, I got the idea probably the week or so after Trump was elected, and, like, I mean, not to politicize, you know, but, like, I'm, I'm fine I, with I just felt so <laughs> pressed and, like, helpless and everyone I knew felt just so down and just didn't know what to do and I was sort of it it came from this place of like what can I do like how can I you know stand up for something that I care about and make you know try to at least feel like I'm doing something Mm -hmm. towards things that are probably going to come under fire and of course you know as a woman I was so scared about all the things that were being said about defunding Planned Parenthood and just all these horrible kind of weird rumors that were being spread about what that company does behind closed doors and 
So I, as with most genius ideas that came to me in the shower, (laughs) (laughs) through my undergrad and through various travels, like what if I asked a lot of the women whose music I really respect to donate a track and like I, I can make this compilation and then I could put it, I knew that like selling physical CDs would probably not wield a lot of profit and would also just be costly. Like it would, it would just ultimately take away from money that I would otherwise be able to donate. Um, so I was like, well, the easiest thing to do would just be to slap it on Bandcamp. Um, and Bandcamp was really kind. I think they typically take, I believe it's like 12 or 14% of sales. But when I emailed, um, and I wasn't even asking for it. I was asking if there was any way I could just like bypass the middleman and donate everything from the CD directly to Planned Parenthood. And the guy was just like, this is an awesome idea. Like, I'm just going to knock down the um, the amount that goes to us to 10%, which I think is the lowest they can go. Um, That's great. Yeah. Like, they're... How nice. And, I mean, twice now, they've done, like, big campaigns for groups where it's, like, you know, like, on a day, like, every album that you buy on Bandcamp, like, Bandcamp's portion of the sales will go. So they're awesome. Support Bandcamp, everyone. <laughs> um, that was sort of the base idea and then I started reaching out to people I made like a Facebook post I and I started emailing individuals uh who I who I was like I I know you got something for this (laughs) um and so that's sort of how everything came about what criteria did you tell them you were looking for the songs to have the only criteria I gave was just that it the band was led by a woman and I didn't I had no I didn't want to like totally exclude men because I didn't want that to be the message and I even I I I talked to a couple people who were upset at that criteria too it's like well why can't you have like bands led by men and I'm like like of course I have nothing against music made by men but like (laughs) I felt like it's so hard to like make a platform for women's music. And I feel like those are very few and far between. It felt to me that in accordance to the end goal of the project, which is to fund women's health, it's like, well, I might as well also use this as an opportunity to put women's, to really prioritize women's voices. Yeah, of course. I mean, myself and every other woman in any art form and otherwise um, that I know has encountered some kind of, like, weird run-in where somebody assumes from the get-go that we're not as good as a male performer or we've just had to work harder to earn respect Mm -hmm. for someone or some company or whatever... So, like, just kind of removing that criteria and being like, this is our space, um, yeah, was important to me. Um, but not, but not being so exclusive as to be like, there are no men on this album, <laughs> right? I think that's smart, and I mean, it's 
Planned Parenthood should be a male issue too. They should exactly. be the ones supporting it as well. It's not like, yeah, you know, men, they have men no, no relationship to, to women. <laughs> not on birth control. Right, or to not be healthy in so many yeah, ways. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's awesome. So you got everybody together. And did they, so obviously they they just sent you the tracks, right? Because you weren't all physically in the same place. Yeah, yeah. And some people, a couple people recorded things specifically for this compilation other people just like had things in the pipeline that were like you know what I'll just send this to you and other a lot of the recordings you can find elsewhere on like people's own releases right so kind of like juggling that you know like okay what if this is exclusive what if this is from somewhere else became sort of like something that affected the pace of like Right. Where how things were coming in, and I kept kind of extending the deadline and extending right. the deadline uh, until it was sort of like I think like I added the last two songs like three days before I put it out. <laughs> <laughs> like I was like, oh no, I just met you. I want I want your song on this album. Oh crap, and I forgot about you. Come on, come on, give me something. How did you in how did you find being a producer? Was that really the like the first time you'd kind of orchestrated a project like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was fun. It was really it was really emotional for me cuz like at least have met everyone on the playlist. Um, some of them are people like Brit Manor. I met I actually just like happened upon a show she was playing and didn't know who she was but just like walked in on her set and it was mind-blowing it was like next level and like she and she had like a backup singer and they were doing like dancing and choreography (laughs) and like all these songs were like incredible and her singing was incredible and I just like went up to her after the show I was like I'm making this playlist will you please be on it and she was like yeah so she was great she's so nice but like other people on the album like a lot of people are like dear dear friends from college who at that point I'd barely spoken to um in like a year, year and a half, because I've been in LA. So like, getting their songs, some of them made me tear up. Like, Mm. just like, seeing what people had been up to, and just remembering how like, incredible my friends were. Yeah, you You have that special relationship with people you spend that time in school with. You know, like, you know them as an artist so well. Yeah. And like, seeing how people had grown and, like, being like, wow, like, you're so talented and I miss you. Um, Like, I think, like, my friend Katie, Katie's song Elizabeth, I welled up a little bit during. Hers is track two. Um, The last song made me well up. Uh, Tanner Porter's, uh, oh, no, Pillow Talk? something like that um uh, my friend betsy's piece i'm still here is just heartbreaking and beautiful Hmm. um 
Yeah, it was a very emotional and just like so exciting uh, yeah. experience just getting all these things in and like every time someone gave me something, it was like Christmas or something. It was like, <laughs> oh man, what'd you give me? I'm so excited. And people um, people can still buy it, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It's on Bandcamp, ppmixtape.bandcamp.com. Awesome. Have you ever um, thought of producing like a live show? version as a fundraiser well we did we did a live um show in LA it was uh my band throwaway and polar tropica who's on the album um and they're she's fantastic Iway is the uh singer and uh lead songwriter on that project and she's awesome she like performs in front of like her keyboard and like she has, like, this incredible blue hair and, like, puts, like, all this, like, amazing, like, sparkles and, like, glitter, like, on her cheeks when she <laughs> performs. Um, very great. And then um, we had Brit, Brit Manor couldn't do it, so we had, like, a couple other local female-led bands fill out and a female DJ. Um, it was really fun. So I'm trying... The timing is getting complicated, but I'm trying to work out a Detroit date. And that'll probably happen in March now, um, with the way that people's schedules are conflating and not intersecting. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, if you're in the Detroit area, uh, look out for March. And that that show will probably be throwaway and uh, Sodge Talk. I'm just speaking for Sodge Talk. <laughs> You're like, they're gonna do I'm it. assuming they're going to be on it. Um, and Betsy, Betsy Sukup, and Will Ray, if I can get her. Uh, I know she's. I think. I think her band. I don't know what's happening with her band right now. Um, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to swindle her, either her or Jungle Fell. That's I think. Awesome. Um, I guess this is kind of two questions. Mm-hmm. Um, one is I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit about like how you patchwork together the financial part of your life as an artist, like with day jobs, music stuff, and how you kind of keep a clear head juggling mm-hmm. that stuff. And then the other question is I'm always really curious how geography affects people as an artist. So like your decision to come back from LA, cause I know you just, uh-huh. you just moved back, right? In October. Yeah. Yeah. In October. How that it's been affecting your work. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think which question it makes more sense to address first. I'll start with I'll start with the jobs. So like I mean basically like when I graduated college, um I graduated in twenty fourteen. And it, it should come as no surprise that being a free jazz guitarist doesn't really earn a living. So I started, you know, the first job I got out of college was horrible. It was this horrible restaurant job, and the bosses were so mean. Um, was this in Chicago? My friend Annika, who was also on Persist, <laughs> um, my friend Annika and I were working that job, and we're just like, screw this, <laughs> quit. And I, I kind of bounced between some coffee shop gigs and then, but was just feeling kind of depressed and frustrated and cabin fever and was 
I was feeling at the time very disillusioned with my relationship to music. I was doubting whether or not I wanted to be a musician. Um, and it was kind of a tough period. And I was sort of just like, I, I got to get out. Were you still in Ann Arbor or were you in Chicago? I was or? in uh, the neighboring na- uh, township of Ypsilanti. Oh, uh, yes. Spelled Y-P-S-I-L-A-N-T-I. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ha-ha. I'm familiar. Um, so I was living in Ipsy, which I really, I love Ipsy. But, you know, everything's nice in retrospect. So, <laughs> um, but at the time, I was feeling just kind of, like, anxious. Like, I got to get out. And it was my boyfriend who actually initially suggested L.A. And I went... In January to check it out and was like this is great no winter haha and I ended up moving in October um, and it was ironic because like my boyfriend planted the seed but then ended up staying in Detroit so ah. <laughs> so we were doing the long distance thing for the whole two years um, that's hard so obviously that was a tug but uh, the I think you know, I part of what made me interested in moving to L.A. was, like, as I was struggling with kind of reassessing my relationship to music, because I just felt so burnt out from school and, like, because music school is a kind of a strange thing at the end of the day. It's like music is not... Like, how do you teach a subjective thing objectively, Hmm. you know? Not to say that I didn't have amazing professors and learned a lot and everything, but, like, I think, and I, and it also didn't help at the end of my senior year, I developed tendonitis in both my wrists. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, which as a guitar player is quite bad. Yeah, so you were dealing with a lot. Yeah. So I think I just needed to get some space and, like, reassess what I wanted to do with my life. And I was, I took a course in college, uh, rather fatefully now, um, that was called Music and Sound for Film. Uh, And I went in being interested in the music part, being like, ooh, film composition. That sounds like something I could do. Um, But I never, I never even thought about like sound effects in movies and tv and was sort of like oh this is interesting and like for my final project because I didn't know any better at the time like now I just kind of wince thinking about it but like I I did sound effects for a little short film and like because I didn't know better at the time I just like like for a kid falling on the floor, I just had this kind of like weird plastic tub and like had my microphone and was just slamming the plastic tub on my chest. <laughs> like, I'll make it sound like a kid. <laughs> and then like EQing it to the lows, which is not how you do that. But I didn't know that at the time. And then like in the following kind of gap year, a lot of, I started kind of dealing with my depression like, I started watching a lot of TV and cartoons for the first time since my childhood. And it was kind of, like, this escapist, like, getting back to my childhood kind of thing at first. Um, but 
like Rick and Morty kind of opened that doorway for me mm-hmm. of like and like back in season one I was a fan since season one guys <laughs> but like that kind of opened the door and I like to like being like oh I really like animation still um and then the following year I just watched a bunch of stuff I watched Adventure Time I watched Bojack when Bojack first came out um, which I think is probably the greatest show about mental illness on TV, in my personal opinion. Bojack? Um, Bojack Horseman, yeah. Oh, yes, I've heard of this, too. I need yeah. to get on the animation train. I haven't really pursued it. <laughs> I, I am now kind of an expert on that front. I'm actually, one of my day jobs is actually to write BuzzFeedy YouTube videos about animation hmm. like cartoons and stuff so that's one of my day jobs and that's great because that's a freelance gig so i can just take it whenever yeah. um and do it on my own time which is the dream for any <laughs> any working artist but anyway uh i think it was actually when i revisited ren and stimpy that i was just like really kind of like overtaken with how sound was used in that show and I, like, remembered back to my class and was like, this is interesting. Like, this is, this would be a cool thing to do. So I, like, ended up moving to L.A. with sort of the vague goal of, like, all right, I want to try to become a writer. Or I want to try to become, um, a, like, a sound effects editor for animation. And I, Nickelodeon has this, like, writer's program and you, like, submit a script and, you know, to try to get accepted and I submitted a script two years in a row and did not even get a call back uh, which is probably not the proper term for that but you know um, <laughs> I didn't get to the second round right um, and it was I was fortunate enough to like meet someone in LA who actually like worked at Nickelodeon and he like took me into the office and I got actually on two separate occasions I got to go into Nickelodeon and like talk to people and it just became kind of clear to me of like oh this is not something I trained for adequately (laughs) like the people who are working here like have like hardcore like gone to school on like how to like write a good script arc and just like have been thinking about these things, like, way longer than I have. I'm kind of like, yay, I'm writing a script. Right. And, like... So it's hard to break into. Right. And so it was kind of this thing of, like, maybe I have, like, overestimated how difficult this would be, because of course I did that. Um, (laughs) And around that same time that I was having that realization, it was becoming very clear that I actually did, because I'm a musician and I have ears, um in the metaphorical sense, um, <laughs> I, I was very good at sensing things for sound design and audio editing and stuff like that. Um, cause basically right after I got to LA, I fell into this job, kind of the best job I might ever have, um, <laughs> working for, uh, this, uh, sound effects editor and sound designer and composer named Jonathan Snipes actually through an alumni of that class at U of M, I met this composer and that job was 
awesome. And he taught me Pro Tools and, like, you know, like, foster was, like, willing to, like, bring me from the ground up on, like, how to edit yeah. audio and, like, That's awesome. sampler instruments and all this stuff. Um, and I guess this is where I get to brag a little bit that um, Jonathan is actually, um, he's in this band called Clipping. That's on Sub Pop. So a lot of my duties was actually to sell, like, merch at L.A. clipping shows, <laughs> which which was great. Like, that was, it was just, like, the best, I, most ideal job. But the only problem was that, you know, L.A. is expensive, and I still needed to pay the bills. Um, and I wasn't getting hyper-regular hours with him all the time. Right. So I just sort of needed to find other work, and there were periods where money was just looking kind of scary. Uh, so I, I, you know, I delved into other various jobs, and then uh, I was hired for this like sweet job for two weeks, and then uh, a grant fell through through for them, and everyone got laid oh, off. Oh no. Uh, so I used my severance money to go to Japan and then I came back and got this internship is this little boutique, um, post audio place. They do a lot of sound effects, editing, sound design, and then like pre-dubbing and mixing. And they're amazing. And they're all about like creating a safe workspace, hiring women, hiring LGBT, like, like really just like focusing on like diversity and the work they do is awesome, and I loved it there. And I interned, and I got the opportunity to do a couple episodes of The Lion Guard for them um, to do sound effects editing. Sort of like that's like the work history that I had in L.A., and it's sort of like when I run over it like that, it's very much like, well, why you leave? It sounds awesome. But you, you, know? ga- you gained a lot of new skills, which is great. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, kind of at the same time, I was, like, around earlier. I think, like, really the persist, getting everything for persist was a big turning point for me. Because it was kind of around that time where I was sort of like, man, I want to be playing more music than I am. Like, I want to be mm-hmm. playing out more than I am. Or just, like, you know, like, hey, come over. Let's just play a little bit. But the way that L.A. is structured and with how crazy people's schedules are mine included like it's sort of like okay well it's april um i have like three hours to play in the first tuesday in june um (laughs) (laughs) which is like not that far from the truth and so it was sort of like i was starting to feel very frustrated again kind of missing the community of people that i had left And also, like, as part of the geography question, you know, I was, I was born and raised in Chicago, then was in Ann Arbor, and kind of got used, especially when I was in Ann Arbor, to sort of like, like, when you're a musician, like the East Coast and like kind of Great Lakes states are almost, it's like a circuit that people do, you know, like it's easy to tour. I mean, it's not always easy to find shows, but it's at least easy in theory to cobble together a tour. Um, And 
I kind of, I really missed that interconnectedness. Like with LA, you can go either up to San Francisco or down to San Diego, but it didn't really feel like the exchange was like quite as like intimate um, as the circuit. And maybe I'm wrong. Um, I'm, I, you know, plenty of people who are in LA longer than I might disagree and they're probably right. Um, Right. But you, you liked this particular circuit. Exactly. Um, And so it was kind of just getting to this point of like, I was working, I had to work so hard just to make rent. Oh God. I know that feeling. (laughs) uh I'm sure living in New York. Oh my God. Um, like I just had to work so hard to make rent that I didn't, at the end of the day, like, I just didn't have the energy to do music. I just wanted to, like, lie on the couch and, like, watch something and go to bed. It was not, it, it, it just became, for that and, like, other reasons, like, I, I got kind of in the most serious rut of depression since probably, like, high school. Hmm high school, middle school, and it, it, it got bad. It got scary. Like, I, it was never, like, suicidal, but, like, it was scary. And I was, it just became clear, and, like, I had a, tra- there was a family tragedy in February um, where a, a, a really close family member of mine passed away, um, and I hadn't seen her in like almost three years. Um, and I, I was there, uh, when she passed, so I was able to see her, but I think like for me and for my parents who had moved to Idaho, it was kind of this, like w- this realization of like, we're too spread out. We haven't seen people like we need to, we need to consolidate. Yeah. So for, and for all these kinds of reasons, um, by the time I got the opportunity, I was already kind of in this bad headspace and um, realized that the healthy thing for me to do would be to like move out, start over. Have a which was a really system. hard decision to make because like being given an incredible opportunity like to work on a Disney show. <laughs> post points like not everyone does that and like like not everyone gets that chance and like I I I loved it there you know but it wasn't it was still like at the end of the day it's like well I love it here but why do I still feel so horrible when I like get in my car yeah um I got very used to crying in my car in LA (laughs) (laughs) um And, uh, yeah, it, it, and also, it also got to the point where it was clear that if I took the gig, it would kind of mean throwing in the towel on my music career, at least for the moment. Because it was such Um, a big commitment. Yeah. It would have been a, I think, I think it would have ended up being a very big commitment, um, like, the people who were there regularly were there, like, five, you know, like, 
10 hours a day and then also often staying late or on weekends. Um, I was, it, it was just something I wasn't quite ready to do yet. Yeah. It was sort of like a couple of years down the line, but like not right now. Yeah. I Not right now. Um, How has it been since you came back to the Midwest as far as like having friends around and support group and resources and like what sort of artistic things have you found that are exciting you I mean it's just great to like be like hey man you want to play tonight yeah (laughs) (laughs) those sex never happened in LA um but they happen here community shows way more frequently played with more people and it's like that's exactly what I wanted that's exactly the kind of environment that I wanted to return to you know and and finding kind of finding like a a job that I feel comfortable with you know like I'm not gonna find anything like I found in LA which is kind of this thing I'm like reluctantly coming to it's like man if any of those things existed here that would be perfect or like in Chicago (laughs) like I'm considering maybe in this considering moving to Chicago in the spring um, because I have a lot of friends there as well um and after living in LA I really like the idea of uh trains (laughs) (laughs) um yeah but uh Yeah, it was, it, I mean, it's, it, I think it, it's been a healthy decision. Like, I haven't, like, I haven't really regretted moving. I've, like, lamented, you know, the loss of the various work opportunities that I had, of course, um, and really come to appreciate how special it was, but also, like, on the slightly more opposite, or er, er, um, bright side of that coin, like, you know, like how much I was able to learn from those things. Um, And you're still doing some editing and stuff and using that as part of of your income? Trying to. (laughs) (laughs) Attempting to find find the work. Um, So, yeah, because like figuring out a freelance market is a lot of work. And it's sort of like, well, man, I'm already like, spending a lot of energy, like, trying to find dates for my band and stuff. <laughs> I have right. to also, like, work on my job. Like, Ugh. network. <laughs> I know, I feel the same way. What, um, what, what kind of work do you do? Maybe you've mentioned this in podcast episodes I haven't listened to. Yeah, I was doing more freelancey, flexible stuff, and then in May I got a more 9-to-5 office manager gig at an advertising agency to have more stability Mm. it's definitely taken a toll on how much I can do with the podcast and with other acting acting things because I the same as like you said I'm exhausted I just want to shut off at the end of the day right (laughs) yeah it's like it's hard it's a weird you know it's it's a hard thing to navigate because I mean obviously you're by overexerting yourself all the time that's unhealthy too like yeah. everyone deserves a break in their day 
But um, then, of course, the artistic stuff is what you really want to be doing, and it's what fuels you, so you have, you have to. Yeah, exactly. So, so, yeah, it's been, like, like, coming back to Detroit, I think it's been, like, a, you know, like, I've been picking up my instrument more, I've been writing more, um, and sort of, like, with the goal of, like, okay, I'm here now, like, I don't have to work as much to make rent, like, basically... I, I'm living at a friend's house for very cheap. Like nice. most of the things I'm doing is like, you know, going into savings. Like I don't have to overexert myself at work so I can like come home and like write. And I have like specific goals of like projects I want to try to get off the ground and collaborations and stuff like that. So that's been really good. And that was that was one reason why Detroit really appealed to me was because, like, my boyfriend and my friend Molly are, like, living in this huge four-bedroom house for a grand total of 700 a month. Oh, my God. Don't, yeah. make, don't make me cry. I know. I know. <laughs> they, like, they each get a bedroom and an office I mean like and you know (laughs) you might feel slightly less envious when they receive their uh energy bill for the winter months I'm sure but um um what are because I haven't gotten to spend much time in Detroit my family has all moved away in the last five years um Mm -hmm. but like what are some of the artistic venues or places where exciting things are happening right now all my all my Michigan friends are gonna love this episode (laughs) well I'm still trying to figure it out it's like you know I it's changing so rapidly that's Um, what I've heard yeah it's like and you know this is this is my first time like living in Detroit um but like right off the top of my head Trixie's uh comes to mind uh which is this fantastic little dive bar in Hamtramck and Trixie's is great because they'll kind of just, like, they seem, like, very open to, like, booking creative music. Um, my friend Dave Hurley started a bi-weekly series there every other Monday called Fire Music Mondays. Um, that's just, like, a free jazz series. Nice. Um, last night, it was, like, the last one for the year, and, like, this, like, huge group of people came in who like not for the music I don't think I think they were just there to grab a drink and uh one of the bands played it was like an improvised trio and they finished the piece and the entire bar was dead silent for like 60 seconds <laughs> just like listen like and it was just like this very respectful, like powerful silence until like finally they kind of like moved in a like, okay, we're done kind of way. And then everyone applauded. <laughs> That's awesome. Was, like, Man, like these people didn't even come here for the music. And yeah. they like, you know, they were, they were listening. It was, it was great. It was crazy. So, so Trixie's is great. I would say the UFO factory, there was a crazy thing that happened. So, like, the UFO factory is this really, I've actually never been, um, but a lot of my friends have played there a lot, and it's a venue that's very, very important to a lot of uh, friends of mine. And it's this, like, 
great little venue, and there's eye-rolling catered to the wealthy development going around literally all sides of it. Uh. Like, the entire block other than the UFO factory is, uh... Gentrifying. Gentrifying. And, like, getting this new development under this, like, specific company. Uh, A couple months ago, one of the, uh, uh, the wrecking balls, quote-unquote, accidentally hit the UFO factory and jeopardized part of the foundation and they had to shut down. Oh, no. Yeah, and it was the kind of thing where, like, the owner rushed out and, like, asked them to stop working and they didn't stop working, and then the police came and asked them to stop working and they didn't stop working. That has to be Um, illegal. Yeah, it was... It was awful, like, listening hearing about it i mean i think the good news is that i think they won the lawsuit which is great because like i guess this company also like a you know like 10 years ago or something had a similar situation with one of their other developments where Hmm. there was like one piece of land that they wanted but there was something there so they kind of like messed it up did something a little shady interesting get it out of the way but I think I think the UFO factory won the lawsuit and is reopening. So that's great because that is something very needed. Trina Soaps is another really good place. Um, that's on Gratiot. Um, <laughs> they have a lot of like, again, kind of like creative jazz sorts of creative music there. So if you are having a day where you're feeling really down and uninspired, uh, are there any like concrete things that you reach for again and again, like a particular album you listen to or a book or something like that? Mm. If I'm having a really bad day, honestly, I'll just kind of like now, like for me right now, I'll like pause for a second, be like, I just, I just gotta play Zelda for an hour. <laughs> and then I'll Zone like out. fight all the imaginary monsters and come back and be like, all right, I feel neutralized now. Um, I mean, my, my ultimate, like, centering and, uh, kind of raison d'etre album is, um, Demon Days by Gorillaz. Like, that was kind of the album that got me into music. And, like, mm-hmm. when I'm feeling really upset, like, I, I, I'll still always come back to that album and, I listened to the final track on loop during my work commute the day after Trump got elected. Oh, God. I have to go listen to it <laughs> it's now. It's like this, uh, you know, demon days, it's so cold inside, it's so hard for a good soul to survive. You can't even trust the air you breathe because Mother Earth wants us all to leave. Like, <laughs> listening to that song and just, like, crying in oh, my God. car as I'm driving to work. Yeah, that day. Yeah, that's that was. <laughs> so you know, it's like using that album to get through it. Yeah. Um, and then I was actually thinking the other day, I'm due for a reading. Uh, I feel like every couple of years I have to read Franny and Zooey by J D. Salinger. I mean so, yeah. Um, have you Have you read it? Yeah, yeah, but not in a long time. I should I should look at it again. Yeah, just like. I mean, no spoilers. You can't really spoiler that book, but 
I mean, you know, it's basically, for anyone that hasn't read it, it's basically just like a hundred or so pages of talking about why people do art and how to be an artist and not be sad and how to deal with like, you know, shows where you come in and people are, no one's there and like, what do you do in that situation? Uh, which is probably a familiar situation to almost any artist. Well, that's a good one. Yeah. So, Um, so yeah, those, I guess that's my trifecta. Zelda, Gorillas, and Salinger. Perfect. (laughs) Um, And then the last question is, have you seen or heard anything lately that you want to recommend of any art form? (sighs) Recommend. It could be a friend's album it could be something you saw recently this is so this is so lame i can't even say this as a recommendation because it's that lame but i'm like (laughs) way behind the game um with lemonade and i just got it oh my god (laughs) and like it has just been on loop i mean you're right that is lame but i'm glad you've come around to it it's the best i was just like i was so like I guess I was just so far down my own rabbit hole when it first came out. But I'm so happy like, for you that you're experiencing it now, because it's, it's, I, I was so obsessed with it when it came out. I know! And, like, a lot, I'm discovering, like, I mean, my boyfriend hadn't really listened to it. Like, I'm discovering a couple other of my friends, like, haven't listened to it. I'm just like, here, I'll give you my album. Have you seen the visual album? I got the DVD. I've been, like, saving it for a special occasion. And yeah. now it's just getting to the point where I'm, like, saving it a little too much. I just need to watch it. You, you, gotta, know? you gotta watch it. Because I, like, I saw the visual album first. That was the first time I heard the music. Oh, man. And I can't, jealous. Di- I can't disassociate the images from the songs when I hear them. It's really, it's really cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. I'm so <laughs> excited to watch that. But things, things that I've been watching or reading or listening to that like maybe everyone else hasn't already done so um um, this is a friend plug uh my friend tanner porter um who's on the her her song is the final song on persist um i guess it's been out for like a year now but she has uh this album called the summer sinks that is just almost mad at how brilliant it is. <laughs> it's kind of like that that like artist jealousy of like, oh my friends are so talented. So <laughs> you're so good. Um Okay, great. So yeah, check her, that out. her album and yeah. Uh other persist people with albums. I'll just run them down real quick. Okay. Uh uh, Molly Jones, who did Let Go, uh, she has an album called Microliths that just came out a couple months ago. That's fantastic. Betsy Sukup is gonna release one in 2018. Um, Any others? Um, well, Britt Manor, that, that song is on her album, uh, which you should get because it's awesome. Uh, Saj Talk's album is from their debut EP, which is also just insane because they're all insane and crazy, crazy talented people. Um, <laughs> oh God, I'm sure, I'm sure I'm 
leaving out people. I think Polar Tropica just released an EP. Yeah. I would encourage if you I would encourage you to get Persist. And then if you like what you heard on Persist, uh, you should just Google that person. I've actually included links to all their websites and their music on the page of Persist. So if you hear something you like, go and support that person yeah. and buy one of their other albums. Yeah, that's a perfect place to leave it. Yay. Everybody go get Persist. <laughs> well, Kristen, thank you so much for doing this. It was really lovely to get to talk to you. Yeah, thank you for asking me. Thank you for listening to the Compass Podcast. If you find these conversations valuable to your life as an artist and would like to support the ongoing production of The Compass, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash thecompasspodcast. Pledges start at as little as $1 a month. You'll get access to bonus content and anything you can give would be greatly appreciated. Also, if you have a moment, please rate or review in iTunes. Every little bit helps other listeners to find the podcast. I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller, music by Brandon Spieth, audio assistance from Nick Choksi, and a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.